the Lord compelled me to begin with um, John chapter 5 to, to introduce us a little bit to, to this. Um, Barnabas! Amen. Read with me verses 1 through 9. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. And these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed. And he took up his bed and walked. Um, I was compelled last night um, on the airplane to share this word um, of John 5 with you all. It would be the third time that I'm compelled to share this word. Um, And it's just these couple verses before we spring into the subject matter that the Lord's laid on our hearts to bring to you. Um, We're not ignorant enough to think that there aren't people in here who are longing for victory right now. You have a heart that stirs and burns within you to have all that the Lord has for you, to look at all that's going on around you and say, I want that, I want that. But for some reason, you're running into something and you just can't get any further. And Jesus is asking you, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be well? You in here who are saying there's something more that I need. I'm watching what's happening. I need something more. I'm here for something more. And we're starting this off this morning because Jesus is looking at you saying, he said it millions of times perhaps. He's looking at you again. He's saying, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? But because all you know about is a pool that other people got healed by and you watched it happen that way so many times, he's standing here and you're looking this way and his ear, his mouth is in your ear and you're saying, he's saying, do you want to be healed? And you, you don't say yes. You don't say no. You just say, Everyone gets down there before me. There's no one to help me. Jesus didn't ask you if you thought you could be healed. Jesus didn't ask you how you should be healed. Jesus didn't ask you the way in which you thought would be best to be healed or walk in victory or walk in fullness. He has his way. He doesn't need you to tell him what should happen for you to walk on your own two feet, for you to get up and walk and be a testimony to his work He doesn't need you to know how to do that or else there would be no purpose in him acting in your life. I'm telling you, there are some among us this morning that have a call stirring into them and it's, it's, there's a victory that has to be won before you can even think about walking in that call. And the Lord's saying, I am right here. You're looking at the difficulty there. I don't know. I never have 38 years. Not sure. I don't think. Yeah, you've, you've went ahead and you've decided that what you expect to your healing and your victory to look like is something that's going to happen, but actually is never going to happen. And you just sit there. And you hear him saying, do you want to walk? And all you can say is, yeah, but, yeah, but, but, but. And the Lord's saying, stop, you're not doing it my way. And before you can even give the answer, yes, he says, get up. <laughs> he says, he says, I, I, if you knew the one who was standing here, you would have asked already and you would have had a drink. The Lord's saying, I want you to take on right perception. Go to John chapter 7. Turn to John 7. I'm going to read John 5.30 real quick. If you want to go there, I think you might want to, though. I just know the heart of everyone in here. So John 5.30, I'm going to read. Jesus says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of of him who sent me. Roll that around in your mouth for a minute. Go to John chapter 7. Verse 
I'm going to read verse 17. Verse um, 16, I'm sorry. He says, so Jesus answered them, My teaching is not mine, but, is, but his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking in my own authority. A head that's uncovered by the will of God that's unsubmitted, you will have no idea where your healing or your victory is, let alone who's going to pull that calling out of you. You cannot know. Have you tracking with me? The Lord's saying, your will... Where your healing comes from is by subjecting your will to the Father's will. And you say that's so general. Yeah, we could speak of it generally, but what I'm telling you is this whole meeting right now is about being raised up and raising up. So let's just start to examine right there. That's our place. Are you being raised up? Are you submitted to being raised up? Don't No, I don't mean do you have a pastor. I mean, are you submitted your whole will, your whole mind to being raised up? Are you submitted? Because you cannot judge rightly on anything unless you're submitted to the hilt. Fully in. You cannot know His will. You cannot know how to perceive the people around you. I mean, doesn't that speak in discipleship? We're forced to interact with each other, live with each other, love each other. I'm telling you, if you're struggling, there's another level of submission to go. So, Jesus keeps going and explains to them how they don't know because they just, they just know the law. They don't understand what He's saying. They don't have the Spirit in Him. They're not being led by the Spirit. They don't get what He's doing in their lives. They're looking at the pool still. You don't know what He's doing, what He's trying to bring about because you're still looking in the wrong direction. And he's speaking in your ear. Get up, get up, get. It's all around you. It's all around you. Everything you need to walk, everything you need to walk in the fullness that I have for you is already here. I'm right here. I'm right here. But you're not looking at me. And so you can't see my way for you. You can't perceive rightly. Jump down, same chapter, verse 24. says, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. If we remember the scriptures, we remember that right judgment is being subjected to the will of your Father. Subjected to the will of Him who sent you. And don't overlook your pastor, the man who's discipling you. Don't jump to, oh, the Lord sent me. He sent you to submit yourself to the one who's supposed to be over you. You don't do that, there's nothing for you. Go to 1 Kings chapter 19. Everybody keeps saying Barnabas. Are you at 1 Kings 19 yet? Um, So I want to just take a minute to draw some correlations with Elijah to Elisha. Um, The Lord has been stirring this on our hearts, and I I gather many of yours, um, all of yours, for some months now. Um... John, 1 Kings 19. Starting in verse 19. So he, Elijah, departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him, and he was with the 12th. Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. And he left the oxen and, and ran after Elijah and said, Let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will, go, then I will follow you. And he said to him, go back again, for what have I done to you? And he returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen 
and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. Everyone say assisted. Assisted. Do you know that Joshua was Moses' assistant? It's the same word. Do you know that it's spoken of Elisha in 2 Kings 2? He says, the other prophets say of him, yeah, call Elisha. He's the one who washed Elijah's hands. He washed Elijah's hands. For seven years, from 1 Kings chapter 19 to 2 Kings chapter 2, we see seven years pass. Elisha is assisting, hand-washing the prophet of God. The most intense man in the land of Israel, Elisha, is submitting to him. That yoke, that, that cloak falls upon him. He's diligent about his, about his plowing, but when that yoke falls, it's not time to go be a missionary. It's not time to go preach uh, in a church, it's not time to go um, shake the world, if you will. You all know what I'm saying when I'm saying this. It's, not to- it's time to serve the man who's called you to follow him. It's time to serve him. For seven long years. We'll just call it a formula. I don't know. It doesn't have to be, but go in with that heart posture and I think you'll be all right. Seven long years he's going to go. Now you look at this and you see... That if you're really going to submit to discipleship, and I believe so many of you in here have, and the Lord's never done calling us deeper. Amen. He's never done calling us deeper. When you submit to the levels to which He's calling you, you get very destructive. What does He do? He lets go of the plow, tells Elijah, I am following you. He comes back. He, he slaughters and sacrifices the oxen. His way of life. This is what he knows up to this point. He uses the, the instruments of plowing to boil the oxen. He feeds all of those around him by his brokenness and submission to leave. So let me say this. Any of you being pressed into deeper, deeper discipleship and you're looking around you wondering if this is a wise move? Cut up the oxen. Start the fire. You leaving, you leaving is going to feed them more than you ever could. So go. If it's geographical or if it's just, I can't do this anymore. I need to be with him. I mean, embrace it. I don't think there's a single pastor in here who's going to tell you, calm down, you're too excited about this. I know there's not. Man, yeah, calm down. You're making me look bad. Um, so go to Matthew chapter 4. Pastor Zach, thank you. I think a lot of you know these correlations in here, but I don't want to risk any of you, myself, seeing the call of the disciples as this called the 12, called the 12, and then we go, then we somehow interact with Elijah and Elisha and say, I need an Elisha, or I need an Elijah. This is a pattern. It started long ago, and you all know this. I better get to Matthew 4. I'll tell you when I'm there. Starting in verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee... He saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And just, let's just take this in for a minute, because you're in the same boat. Pun actually not intended. Usually they're intended, but that one was not. Um, <laughs> 1 Kings 19, 19 and 20 says that Elijah, Elijah found Elisha while he was plowing. Jesus passes by them while they're casting the nets. 
the response is the same. I don't think that we're supposed to miss this correlation. I, I think many of you have gotten this before, but I want to bring this out because let us not fall into this mistake of dealing strangely with the 12, di- 12 disciples call just because we're so familiar with it. And we're so used to hearing about it in devotional books and, and 31 days with the fishermen. And let it not be distant from you because the call is the same weight. Think with me for a minute when that cloak falls on Elisha. He's doing all that he's ever known to do his whole entire life. Farming in this place, involved with the prophets. But what's going on here? The cloak falls on his shoulders. And do you think for a moment, the weight that fell on his shoulders, that he, what if you went back to that plow? What if you went to that, that back, back to that plow? There's a weight to this mantle. In going to 2 Kings 2, you'll track with me here. Let's go to 2 Kings 2. This is what I'm getting at here. There's a weight to this. I'm going to read this passage um, so we can hear the word of God. He says this. Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. Elisha knows Elijah's life. He knows Elijah's life. And he does not want anything else. Than this. Let that feed your intensity for a moment. I will not leave you. And the sons of the prophets, sorry, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you not know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep quiet. I think there's a little lesson in here about how we ought to deal with one another as disciples. Don't get me wrong. Do not give way to your flesh. My, please, God, do not. But when you are being discipled and there's a passion burning inside of you, you're going to have peers. There's such a thing as a critical spirit. Does anyone ever have a critical spirit in their church or in your own heart? There's such a thing. There's such a thing as this. We've all felt it. We have to rebuke it every time. And you're going to see around you an opposition to your level of submission. I'm telling you, you will. And unless your mind is submitted to the will of the Father, you will, you'll judge by appearances. And you will remain with the 50. You'll judge by appearances and you'll... You'll fall right into the... There's no self-righteousness involved in submitting yourself fully to discipleship. There can't be. It won't happen if there is. And so self-righteousness is assumed among, these, among many of us together when we see one advancing. Has anyone... Raise your hands. Has anyone ever struggled watching someone advance? Anyone ever struggled? Has everyone struggled watching someone else advance before? Have you ever... You feel that, right? Judge rightly. Know the, will of the, know the will of the Father for your life. Know it for your life. And judge rightly amongst yourselves. You're going to cause a disaster. Or they're going to move on without you. Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. Second time. Persistence of Elisha in the face of the perhaps most persistent man in the, in the land of Israel. So, they came to Jericho, and the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? He answered, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. Then Elijah said to him, please stay here, for the Lord has called me to the Jordan three times. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. 
50 men. Now mark this. Everyone who's submitting themselves to discipleship or has the mind to do so. And whoever's discipling. A lot of us fit in the same, both categories. We all fit in the same category there. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood at some distance from them. Maybe you can underline that. I did. Stood at some distance from them as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his cloak and rolled it up and struck the water. And the water was parted to the one side and to the other till the two of them could go over on dry ground. I think of this scripture of how when you love righteousness and you hate wickedness, he anoints you with a joy Amen. that sets you apart from your companions. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. Now stop there. And um, go to Mark. Oh. No, we're going to keep reading for a minute. We'll come back to that. And Elisha said, please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. Go to John 14. All right, John 14. Let's just see this thing through. John 14. We're going to read chapter 12. We love this verse. We love this verse. Oh God, we're so thankful for this verse. Oh, I'm so grateful for this verse. Now, before we read this verse, you cannot take in this verse, apply it, walk in it, understand it, judge it rightly, appraise it correctly, unless you've got the weight of a mantle covering your head. You cannot. You like what it says, like all of us have. We all love what this says. Man, we jump to the greater things, greater things, greater things, greater things, right? There's such a foundation built for this statement. Don't try, yeah. John 14, 12 says, Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Elisha did not let go of the plow, burn the instruments and boil the oxen and say, hang on, Elijah, I want to get a double portion. That's not when this happened. Seven years of service. Seven years of absolute submission. Do you know when the, when the prophets come and say, do you know that today the Lord's going to take uh, your master from over you? The literal translation to that is, your head's going to be uncovered. Which brings some fun light to go up, thou bald head. Um, so his head's going to be uncovered. What does that entail? His head is, gonna, is, is being covered for seven years by discipleship. By hand-washing discipleship. By Elijah is walking and I want what he has. And I don't care what he... You know what? He's going to make so many decisions that me... I think, well, that wasn't smart. You know what? Kill that right away. Just follow him. Follow him. If you're ever inspired by a critical spirit within you to look at your pastor or the man or woman discipling you, I'm going to tell you right now it's from hell. And you will stay at the pool forever unless you say, I'm putting my head under that. I'm putting my head under that covering. Let me tell you, if Jesus could say, apart from my Father, I can do nothing, then it's demonic if you think anything otherwise. Apart from receiving from your pastor, apart from receiving from the man that's laying his life down for you, every decision that you need to make, every step you need to take, needs to pass through his wisdom that he's given you. God has called you through your pastor, the person discipling you. That is the one you follow. You look for a word from the Lord, that's great. Make sure it's in agreement with what your pastor tells you. Your covering is your it is your protection. Yes. Amen. He wants to cover you. And he's covering you by way of your pastors and the men laying their lives down for you. The men and women laying their lives down for you. The ones who are there. 
the ones warring for you, the one that, if God's called you to a church, there's your covering. Amen. You look at the man, you look at the men, the elders, the pastors up there, and you say, them, I'm going to wash their hands. I'm going I'm to wash their feet. So he says, sorry, see, he says, after he asks this, Elijah's response is, you have asked a hard thing. Do you think he doesn't know this? I think Elisha knows pretty well what this is going to entail, though he's not fully understanding yet. He understands because he's been there for seven years, washing hands and observing, and obeying the words of his master, doing what he's asked to do, serving no matter what it looks like. And guess what? He doesn't care anymore what the 50 think. Amen. You care what? You don't want to be standing at a distance on the shore. You need to be close to the one that the Lord has placed over your head. He says you've asked a hard thing. He knows this is hard. Go to Mark chapter 10. Verse 38, the spirit here is a little bit different in the ones following Jesus than it was in Elisha, but I think, that we'll be all right to pull from this one. Mark chapter, did I say eight? Okay, good. In my head I said eight. Ten is right. Mark chapter 10, verse 38. Never mind. Yes, you're right. I'm still in 10. Or still in 8. Okay, he says this. Let's start in verse 35. Are we okay with that? And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them, and they were amazed. And those who followed were afraid, and taking the 12, again he began to tell them what was to happen to him. This is Jesus. And if the pattern is the same, just know the way in which the man you tie yourself to, you're going to go in his direction. Watch it. Listen to what he says. And the, oh, sorry. See, we are going to up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. And deliver him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit on him. And flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. Now let me tell you why the spirit of this situation is a little different than 2 Kings chapter 2. Because after hearing that, all they can talk about is who's going to be the greatest. And I'm saying that, that that's got to be crushed in you. It has to be crushed in you. And no, pastors, elders, the heart of Jesus here. Because now let's keep going. In verse, in verse um, I said verse 35 to start, and I started in verse 32. I'm sorry. That's all right. little word never hurt anybody. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Okay. Hey, we're like Elisha. Teacher, we want to do for you, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. Lord, I feel like the Lord told, Pastor, I feel like the Lord told me that he wants me to start teaching a Bible study. I'll let you know. <laughs> Sorry. There are cases where I'm... Ah, yeah. We don't need disclaimers, do we? Um, so... Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? They don't know what mantle they're about to get. Jesus has found them, he's called them, and he's going to give them this mantle. He is going to. He's going to see to it. 
And your pastors and your elders, disciples, they are going to give all to see to it that you're raised up. No matter how many ignorant comments you make, they're going to love you. And I'm I'm seriously not trying to be funny because you know that this is real, right? Show of hands, disciples, how many, how many of you have walked away from a discussion with your disciple or with your pastor and you thought, I'm an idiot. I'm never going to hear from the Lord again. <laughs> pastor, what's the Lord saying to me? There's a beauty to that, right? So, guess what? Your pastor wants you to carry that mantle. He's looking at you. He wants to invest that in you. Don't be dismayed by your foolishness. I I don't want us, though, to forget that this is real, though. I mean, look around you. You know in yourself and the, the men and women that you're so close with and you're fighting together and you know the moments that you've got to repent and confess because of your foolishness, because of your self exaltation. Your unwillingness to have your head covered. It's only when it's convenient. So, so Jesus says, you will. I want you to hear that from your pastors very well. You're going to do this. You're going to walk the way I walk. And in particular, the cup is not a beautiful thing, but it is. It's the cup of salvation that you get to lift up. It's the, it's the, uh, the blood that you get to partake of. And share in this covenant. It's beautiful. It sucks to the flesh. But it's beautiful. That's the point. If it doesn't suck to the flesh, then you should do something different. Right? So, he says... In their ignorance still, he says, you're not able. You're not... (laughs) Are you able? We are able. Jesus said, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. Watch very well the struggle of your pastors. Watch very well. They'll tell you when they fail. Take note of it. They'll tell you when they struggle. They'll tell you, they'll they'll bear their hearts to you when they're being, when they're just facing the enemy full out. I think we do it from our pulpits every, every Sunday. We know the enemy's after us. Take note of how your pastor walks through that. Because, not because you're supposed to write his book, because you're going to walk through the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to do the same thing. Yeah. He's saying you're, you're going to drink of this. You're going to drink of this cup. And then it goes on. The ten here, they're indignant at James and John. There's that bitterness and that criticism. Guys, again, don't let that rise up within you. Don't let it. Go back to John chapter 5. I'm sorry, John, John 7. And we'll just, I'm going to stay there alongside Mark 10:38 just with these things rolling around in our minds So he goes back to saying that you will know you will be able to identify truth not for the sake of criticizing who's speaking but you'll be able to identify truth for the sake of being able to take it into your own heart when If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. And I'm telling you that the Lord's will for you is to have your head covered. And the, the weight of that mantle is such that it will rest on your shoulders and cover your head in such a manner that it will rule the steps of your life, the decisions you make, the relationships you build, the ones you leave behind, it's going to dis- dis- decide those things for you. Because until, once you're submitted to the will of the Father and the way that, and the pattern that's been placed in front of you by your pastors and your elders, you will finally be able to discern correctly. You'll be able to judge with right judgment. And the, the very last, or not the very last, last, but verse 24, he says, Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. Remembering John 5, Jesus says, If you're not submitted to the pattern and the will of, of your Father, which is submission to the ones that the Lord has placed over you, you have no judgment whatsoever. And therefore, you have no opinion. 
you can't see correctly, you're looking in the wrong direction, and you will be on the you will be standing at a distance. But the book of Hebrews says we have better things in mind. Amen. Don't we? We have better things in mind. So in 2 Kings chapter 2, he says this. He's, he, after Elijah goes up, Elisha, what happens? The mantle falls off of him. Can anyone, you don't, be, don't go anywhere until you're clothed with power from on high. Seven long years, washing hands. He's done nothing. Oh, he's done something. But by his flesh, he's done nothing. If he's judging according to his two appearances, he walked away five years ago. But he's not. He submitted and he knows the will of his father. He knows the pattern and he's been there. And he's there up until the final, the final moment because Elijah says, what you ask is hard, but if you're here when I go up, you'll receive it. If not, you will not. So there he stands across the Jordan Prophets at a distance. Elijah goes up. The, the mantle falls off. And for the first time in his life, Elisha picks up the mantle and holds it in his hands. And it's no longer over his head or on his shoulders. It's in his hands. And he rolls and he takes it. And I imagine because Elijah rolled it up, I suppose Elisha probably rolled it up. And he strikes the waters of the Nile and he says... Where is the God? Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And what happens? The water split. And he goes over and he's got the spirit of the one who's raised him up all over him. And he walks in boldness. And now the double portion is all for him. I never got to John 12, I don't think, or 14, did I? Really? The double portion is for you after seven years of total submission to the one who's called to raise you up. You cannot do works or the greater works not according to him you can do it like many people we see all over youtube but you cannot do it in a way that will advance the kingdom it will be for naught unless you submit yourself to the depths of discipleship that the lord is calling you and again that means mind is submitted let this mind be in you which is also in christ jesus if jesus did it why do you have so many good ideas jesus did not because he was submitted to the Father. He says, He says, I, I, I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God. It's God's mercy that you could know this. Do not spurn His mercy. By the mercy of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Sacrifices lay there. What was it, Moody, that said the problem with living sacrifices is they always want to get off the altar? Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship or your reasonable service. King James was cool there. Which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So that by testing, seven years, washing hands, letting go of your own opinions and your own thoughts, laying it all on the altar, letting Him burn you up, so that by the renewal of your mind, you may then know or prove what is the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect. Anything less than full submission to receive the will of God and understand rightly how to judge is not acceptable. It's not good. And it is certainly incomplete. So he's calling you this morning to enter into this mode of, and particularly disciples, I feel the weight on you. Where are you not submitted? And I really, I mean, only the Spirit can reveal that to your heart. I know immediately you're going to say, I think I've done everything, I don't know. And you're going to go to your pastor. What can I do? I don't know what to do anymore. But I'm sitting here, and there's further for me to go. I know the Lord has, I don't know what it, you need to just lay yourself before the one that the Lord has called you to follow. And then you will begin to see rightly. Until then. And once you've submitted to that, if you let anything creep in, anything creep in at all, your, your discernment is gone. So the Lord is saying this morning, he, I mean, he said it already. Bow your head low. 
You can't go low enough. You can't. There's no, there's no limit. And you know what Elisha found after he crossed the Jordan? He probably was staying pretty low. <laughs> Elijah, in, in the beginning of 1 Kings chapter 19, is running. After what we would consider the greatest achievement, slaughtering the prophets of Baal, the brook Kidron, watching fire fall from heaven. Awesome. And he runs, gets to the mountain. The Lord deals with him tenderly. And he says, now go anoint Elisha. I would argue this is the, if we were putting jewels on the crown of Elijah, this is the most beautiful one. Amen. Go anoint Elisha, Amen. who will take your place. Yes. This is how your pastors feel about you. They look at you and they say, oh, I hope that they go to such great lengths. People are prone to forget about what I ever did. You won't let people do that, but our past, your pastor's heart's desire is to watch you flourish. They recognize, like Pastor Eric already said, we must be producing. That's the weight, that's the mantle right now on your pastor that he's carrying. So bring everything to your pastors and elders. Submit yourself fully. Until then, you cannot know what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You cannot discern rightly. Your judgment is bad, and you'll sit at the pool. But we have better things in mind. The Lord's about to do something here. Um, incredible. Pastor Zeke. I was riding down the road the other day. A lot of my sermons seem to start that way because I don't know what to say. But I was riding down the road the other day. And just talking with the Lord like you do. He's our friend. He's our brother. I've lost all my religious talk. All my big words that I don't even know what they mean. And I found a friend in my Savior and my King, my Rabbi, my Teacher, my Deliverer, my Lord. And he, he calls me to reflect upon something that it just captivated me. I was praying for the arrival of a baby. Yeah. Praying over these matters, uh, really learning to trust in his timing. And here we stand. And the Lord really stirred within me to remind me of how rescued I really am. We're rescued people. We're people who've been saved and are being saved. Amen. And He's delivering us, redeeming us. He's brought us back. I'm reflecting upon that even as we've been praying a bit lately and fasting concerning many things. And one would think it'd bring you to tears and drop you to your knees and see you just ball up in thanksgiving. And there's a time for that. But he always pops you back up on your feet. Amen. Because what that rescuing produces is this fire. Yes. It's a fire that doesn't shut up. Amen. It's a fire that doesn't get quiet. Because how can you get quiet? You've been rescued. You've been rescued. And he reminded me of that moment where he passed by and he said, Zeke, come away with me. 
Come with me. I'll make you fishers of men. Come with me. In Mark 10, in verse 46, just down from where Jake left off, I would just like to share with you how that impacted me and our church body. And that will lead us to a time where the Lord is going to drop a tenacity on people in this room for receiving that mantle. Because if we could leave terminology aside and just think about what is being spoken here, you're not going to pick up a mantle. One's going to be placed on you. I've often read 2 Kings 2 and loved it. I can't wait to get the cloth in my hand and be parting waters. Boy, everybody's going to love it. Wrong. It didn't start there. It starts many, many, many years ago. When a man committed to a way. The way. In Mark 10, 46, they came to Jericho. He was leaving Jericho and his disciple, uh, with his disciples and a large crowd. And a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. When he heard that was Jesus the Nazarene, he began crying out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Anybody in this room got half a mind to think it sounded like that? As I was reflecting upon the fact that I've been rescued. You've been rescued. He passed by. He beckoned you to come. And I hope you've said yes. You say, well, you assume I'm in this room. I've said yes. No, you tell me that. He's passed by and said, follow me. Are you following him? Is Jesus have total lordship of your life? But Jesus is passing by. Everybody say, passing by. Passing by. He's passing by and we got a blind man. And he says, Son of David, have mercy on me. Anybody got half a mind to think he said it like that? I wonder if this group could tell me how it probably sounded. Come on. Jesus! Come on. Anybody else? Jesus. Son of David. Don't pass me by. Come on, where are you at? We'll do. You in the house? Don't pass me by. There must be a tenacity that rises up within us concerning the mantle. And as we've prayed over this word and this conference, the One Association churches, we're fully convinced with you that the Lord's desire in this room is to place mantles this morning. Amen. That they're literally descending from the heavens. Will you take that mantle? Will you receive that mantle? Will you follow that pattern? What is a mantle, a heart position to comply with the standard that is set by God? What a mantle is not, it's not magic fabric or the ability to just imitate man, but rather surrendered to the filling of His Holy Spirit. There's people in this room who are going to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. 
this very weekend, this very day. Ask yourself, have I taken up a mantle or an imposter? If we're not coming under God's covering through the men that God's called us to lead, we're not walking in it. When Wade, when Pastor Wade was teaching and he said, well, you haven't even begun discipleship. And there was that sigh, that short conversation of offense to which he said, it doesn't matter to me. I loved when he did that because he just broke the ice before I was going to get to it. Before Jake got to it. Before Pastor Jake got to it. You haven't begun. If you're camped out in 2 Kings 2 waiting to pick up something that's falling from somebody. you got to go back. And you got to come under the covering. And you got to make someone's way of life your way of life. Because they are adhering to who the full gospel is. Taking up the garment. Begins in 1 Kings 19. Not 2 Kings 2. His desire is to cover us. Let's go to uh, 2 Kings chapter 2. In 2 Kings chapter number 2 where Jake is taught. Elisha takes up that mantle. I've spent a great deal of time asking the Lord to give me a picture of what that must look like. I don't know. You try to Google search stuff like that. It's goofy. <laughs> I've tried to ask the Lord, what must that have looked like? And he keeps pointing to those years. Those years of relentless, steadfast faithfulness. To the pattern that is lined out in the Word, you will not be the exception to that rule. In 2 Kings chapter 2, we see the 50, we call them skeptics. Now these guys are prophets. Right? They're prophets. And they're standing off a looking. There's always going to be some skeptics. Get close. Get close and watch skepticism fall. If anyone in here or anyone watching it at home is inclined to be skeptical because damn is said from the podium. Get close. Do you know, do you know no one's ever taken up for me, prayed for me, helped me? Like the men on those stage last night. Get close. You want to be a skeptic? You'll watch the rest of your life. Maybe nobody in here needs to hear that, but maybe somebody on that screen does. You want to be a skeptic? You'll watch the rest of your life. Well, then he picks up the mantle. And he slaps the Jordan and there she goes. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah. And he's, he's heading back to Bethel. And we got 42 critics. You got your skeptics on one side. You got the critics on the other. But do you know why you keep shouting out, Son of David, don't pass me by? Because you got the mantle. Because you have the mantle. Let the skeptics skepticize. Let the critics criticize. And you walk in the anointing of the Lord. Walk in the anointing of the Lord. Jake started off and he said, do you want to be healed? Do you want this? Answer that question in your heart knowing 
that the men of God in this room looking to pour out their lives, there's an immense responsibility on them. I'm sure many pastors and sermons are going to come out here in the next couple of days that are going to turn the corner and start preaching to us preachers. And I'm looking forward to it. This preaches to me at any rate. But if you're in here, the Lord has crafted this word for those in a season of discipleship. And skepticism doesn't lead to the taking up of a mantle. Criticism does not lead to the taking up of the mantle. Surrender does. Absolute surrender to who He is and the pattern that He has established. There is no other way. There is no other way. I've tried it another way. And you're hitting water with mantles and the water does nothing. Because you needed the time to prove yourself faithful, humble, and lowly just to being raised up. Everybody wants the double portion, right? Anybody ever been at a, uh, what do they call it? Um, um, ceremony? Where you anoint somebody or initiation? Ordination is it. You've been in an ordination. I'm trying. You've been in an ordination and said, double portion, double portion, Lord. You want the double miracles, right? What about the, uh, what about twice the battles? What about, what about twice the weight? Come on. What about twice the fight? What about twice the dedication? We want twice the glory, twice the miracles. Ask yourself, do you want twice the fight? Twice the battle. Twice the dedication. I'm not going to say too much more because I have a real good idea how the Spirit of God wants to end this service. And I'd rather just get to that. The Spirit of God desires to fill His people in this room. Can you agree with me on that? And He desires in this meeting to throw a mantle on you. And I'm not talking about an emotional experience that you will doubt in two weeks. I'm talking about a commitment to a way that characterizes your life forever. Forever. Now if we consider the odds... We might think maybe if we just did the math and said there's 50 skeptics and 42 critics of whom got eaten by bears and make about 92, there stands one man with a mantle. We're going to do better than that in this room. But it's, it's likely rarer than one in a hundred. You say, why would you say that in a room filled with all these hungry people? Because I want to put weight on you to make sure you know God's asking for you. Man, He's asking for you. If it's one in a hundred, you get geared up knowing there might just be six in this room. But I'm saying let it be 500. Come on, is it you? Don't think it's the one beside you. It's you. It is. It's you. It's the invitation. Matthew chapter 4, he's passing by. How do you see that story? It's a rescue. Follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And he's petitioning us this morning because his presence is absolutely passing by. We will have zero excuse at the close of these meetings as to why we have not capitalized, captured, taken as our own what He's seeking to give us. It's the invitation of a lifetime. And in your life has to be that Elijah type figure. You know there's not an exception to that rule in this room. That's a zero. I have that man in my life 
And I hope you understand and know that very well. I won't try to reinvent the pattern and find myself on the side of the Jordan watching somebody else walk in the fullness of what the Spirit of God's given. Do it His way. Do it His way. He's throwing out mantles this morning, church. There's some at the sound of my voice on the technology. And you need to hear this. He's throwing a mantle on you. And I'm inclined to speak to the ones who drove to this room. He's passing by right now. And He's calling you. He's calling you. To what? To take up that fabric, hit that Jordan. Well, yeah. But that's the, that's the result. I believe He's asking people in this room to start. To begin. They say, my goodness, I'm getting kind of old. Don't you worry about that. He's... He's called the Redeemer for a reason. He's called the Redeemer for a reason. I imagined as I walked and prayed, and we preached some of this to the trees and the woods, (laughs) that the Lord had planned a quiet, but emphatic altar call for this time. One that may not be led by music until the very end. One that may not involve people coming and praying over you. Maybe not even at this altar. But if you have a mantle to take up, you can probably take your head and look over at the person to whom you are supposed to be attaching yourself to. Am I right or wrong? If you have a mantle to take up, you might be a couple years into this and you're staying strong. Amen to that. You might, have, you might be in 2 Kings 2 and you realize you need to get back to 1 Kings 19. I realize all the different Seasons that we're hitting in here. You discern that please accurately. But if you haven't been walking under the full covering. Of men and women of God who are desiring to pour out their life to raise you up. And the spirit of God stirring you right now saying I have a mantle. To us to to take hold of. And I don't know how to do it. I could imagine that you could take your head right now. And find them with your eyes. Am I right? Am I right? I pictured in prayer here an altar call where Elisha's committed themselves to their Elijah. And that there is No drowning out of the tears. The asking. The noise. The sound of repentance. You ever heard repentance? Sometimes you can if you turn the music up too loud. You ever heard repentance? Some of us might have to repent to our pastors. Some of us might have to look them in the eyes and say, help me. But today, I'm taking up that mantle because you've told me to follow you and I'm coming. And I'm going to close. Zach can come up and get ready with the guitar, brother. But I'm going to close like this. It's good and awkward. If you've got a mantle to take up and you can turn your head and find them in this room, get to them ASAP.
ASAP and make it public. If you're, hey, if you're afraid of skeptics, this isn't for you. Elisha didn't care a damn about the skeptics. And guess what he thought of the critics? Well, you know the end of that story. Yeah, you can move. Move on the Holy Spirit's prompting. I'm just rambling right now. The rest of you that don't have that, pray at your seat. Pray in the Holy Ghost. If you see a face, call them out by name. But we need people to get to their pastors. Because the Lord wants to establish the dropping of mantles in this place. Mighty God, we thank You. What we ask You right now in Jesus' name is that we hear the sound of mantles being taken up. Mighty God, we hear the sound of repentance. We hear the sound of surrender. Mighty God, we hear the sound of children of God submitting to the pattern that You have set. Oh God, let us hear the sound of hearts returning to You. Let us hear the sound of new levels of dedication. Let us hear the sound of oxen and yoke being slayed in Jesus' name. And God, place mantles upon shoulders right now in the name of Jesus. Holy Ghost, that Your work would not be temporary in this place this morning. This will not be a temporary work. God, the mantles that You are placing, the work that You are doing even now is a work that will last for generations to come. Mighty God, I ask You in the name of Jesus for a refinement in relationships to occur, healing to occur in Jesus' name. Father, we're asking You for baptisms in the Holy Ghost. And we're asking You in the name of Jesus, God, that You would continue to place right now upon the shoulders of men and women in this room the mantle that Elijah placed upon Elisha. We say, do it, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus of Nazareth, we pray. Amen.